0: Welcome to a supplemental edition of the Observer's Notebook Podcast, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. I'm Tim Robertson, the host of the Observer's Notebook, and also the coordinator of the training program within the OPPO. Thanks for downloading and listening. The ALPO collects and analyzes observations of various solar system bodies and associated phenomena, and publishes detailed reports concerning these bodies in its quarterly publication, The Journal of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. This podcast survives upon donations from you, our listeners If you enjoy what you hear on the podcast You can donate to it via Patreon You can give as as little as $1 a month If you feel even more generous For $5 you receive early access to the podcast Before it goes public for a monthly donation of $10, you receive a copy of the Novice Observer's Handbook. And for $35 a month, we receive one year's membership to the APO and producer credits on the podcast. You can help us out by going to www.patreon.com slash observersnotebook. And if you'd like to join the Alpo, membership begins at only $18 a year. You can find out more at www.alpo-astronomy.org. And we're also on Facebook. Just search for ALPO Astronomy. And yes, this podcast also has a Facebook page as well. Just search for The Observer's Notebook. And if you enjoy what you're in the podcast, please subscribe. That way you'll never miss any episode. And now, this special supplemental edition, where we're going to talk about the upcoming Gemini meteor shower with Bob Lunsford. Hope you enjoy. All right. I'd like to welcome everybody back to this special edition of the Observer's Notebook. And today we're going to talk about the Gemini's meteor shower. And of course, that means we're talking to Bob Lonsford. Welcome back, Bob.
1: Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah. Now, why don't you give Mm us a little bit of an update on what we can expect and when is the Geminids?
1: Well, unlike last year, Mm -hmm. which we had absolutely no moon, Mm -hmm. this year's shower is going to be a little compromised, but all's not lost. Uh, We all know the Geminids are active every December, and they tend to peak on the night of either December 13th or 14th. Every year, well, this year on the morning of December fourteenth, we have an eighty percent gibbous moon, but it sets between two and three o'clock in the morning.
0: Ah, perfect.
1: Yeah, well, not perfect, but but (laughs) better than better than having a coincidence with exactly the 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 full moon when it's be up all night. So. Once the moon is low or sets in the west, and you have dark skies, the geminated radiant will still be at least sixty degrees high in the west. So what's what that means is you still have a very good opportunity to see at least a meteor minute if you have a, a truly dark sky.
0: Great! I'm going to be camping out in Borrego Springs. Oh, that sounds great. So that's that's one of the dark sky sites in California. Yeah, uh, I'll be out there for that, and I plan on getting all my camping buddies up at two in the morning to watch this <laughs>
1: well hopefully the weather will uh will uh, cooperate uh, this weather's been super so far in november mm-hmm. and uh we just had a few clouds the last couple of days coming from the desert so um, that's kind of naturally the, the new moon's occurring so right. that's going to spoil that a little bit but you know, we're still two weeks away, so anything can happen, especially here in California. Right. Now, as you get close to the maximum, which is a Tuesday morning, uh, December 14th, if it looks like your your night's going to be cloudy, uh, by all means, go out the, the uh, prior to, to, uh, to the 14th. The nights of the 12th, Sunday night, uh, the 12th or uh, Monday uh, – monday the 13th both of those nights are are, are very good for the for the it's okay and that those those nights prior to the maximum will also offer a little more darkness because the moon will set probably about 45 minutes earlier uh each each night so that helps a little bit so if you got a storm heading your way on the 14th and it's not meteors mm. uh you know circle the the 12th and the 13th um on the other hand, if, if it's after the maximum, boy, the, the gyminate rates drop like a rock. Really? Uh, at least half by the 15th and wow. another half by the 16th. So... You know, if you're seeing 60 on 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 the 14th per hour, it's going to be at, uh, you know down to at least 30 on the 15th and 15, only 15 an hour by the 16th. Okay.
0: So um, this shower it, lasts really a long time, though, doesn't it? I mean, really, well, from when it really starts to where it ends. You you're you you're exactly correct on that, and
1: we've we've actually discovered recently that there was a minor shower called the Theta Arigids.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that that shower turns out to be early Geminids hmm. because because we can plot the radiant drift for these showers, okay. and that one coincides perfectly <laughs> with with, the, with early Geminids. So, actually, you can start detecting Geminids as early as November nineteenth, and you can you can follow them. Up to just the day before Christmas, Christmas Eve is about the last wow. chance you could see any Geminis. But, of course, at those extremes, we're talking about maybe one meteor per night <laughs> instead yeah. of, instead right. of 60 an hour. So there's, there's a big difference there.
0: Now, th- that's pretty unusual, though, isn't it, for most meteor showers? Actually, you
1: know, with all the video work we're doing now, uh-huh. where we're finding out that a lot of these uh, minor showers are associated with the major ones. Right. So, no, it's not that surprising and okay. We're, we're we're finding out that the activity periods are a lot longer than the normal. Um, you know, like I said, thanks to these video cameras that, that can see faint meteors and, uh, mm-hmm. don't fall asleep like some of us
0: folks do out, out in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay. So, yeah. so if we get up at three o'clock in the morning on the morning of the 13th, where are we going to look? Okay. Actually, that'll be the night before the maximum.
1: So we want okay. the morning of the 14th. Okay. Um, if it's at three o'clock, the moon will be gone. You can look anywhere in the sky, but you will notice that most of the meteors, and I say most because not all meteors you see that morning are going to, going to be geminids because there's a lot of other minor activity going on. Plus, the sporadic rates are, are pumping out about a dozen an hour. So that's, that certainly helps. So look anywhere you want, probably toward the darkest sky that doesn't have trees or hills in your way. And you will notice that you'll see a bunch of meteors shooting from one area of the sky, which is probably about 60 to 50 degrees high in the west. And that'll be the, the, the Gemini. The, the radiant on that night is very close to the bright star caster in, in the in Gemini.
0: Okay.
1: And if uh, if you ever do any work in double stars, you'll notice that's one of the best double stars mm-hmm. in the sky. True. true, True. Very easily visible to the naked eye. Uh, in fact, there's, there's two bright stars, Castor and Pollux. are very close together, probably about five degrees apart. And uh, they will be in the west. The meteors will be shooting out of the radiant. If you look directly at Castor, the meteors uh, will be foreshortened, which, which means they'll be coming. Uh, the, the ones that, sh- that, uh, come, that appear close to the radiant will be uh, shorter and coming more at you. So they'll be a little more difficult to, uh, to see rather than one 90 degrees away, which would be the longest uh, meteors you'll see from the Geminids. Okay. So what we, what we do is we suggest that folks put, put the radiant at the edge of their vision when, when they're looking. Uh, that way you can, you can see a good sample of, of uh, Geminid meteors shooting out at least, uh, you know,
0: 180
1: degrees out of, out of the radiant.
0: Okay. Now at its maximum, how many do we expect to see? Well, under,
1: under good seeing conditions, under good seeing conditions, uh, if we're talking about three o'clock again, I would say 60 an hour. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, the, the, radiant won't be overhead like it is at one thirty, uh, but at, at that time you're going to have moonlight too. So,
0: okay. And like most meteor showers too, that's not one a minute. That is, oh. <laughs> you'll have a series of six or seven up here, and then you'll have a, a leg, right?
1: Exactly. Exactly. I can't tell you how many people go out for, for 10 minutes. minutes and say, I <laughs> didn't see a thing. Right. You guys you guys are full of it. Yep. Well, <laughs> meteors are notoriously clumpy. They, they they show up all at once or are none at all. So mm. it's, it's not, you know. Not sick like like one every sixty seconds. No, siree. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Now, are, are
1: these bright meteors? You know what? Actually, most meteor showers are on the dim side. Um, that that makes up a, a large portion of them. But okay. the more meteors that are produced, the more bright ones you you will get. Okay. So so if your skies are really dark, you're going to see a lot of faint ones. But you will also see more bright ones, too. And the, the Chaminas are, you know, being the normally the strongest shower of the year, uh, they may have difficulty this year since the Perseids put on such a great show yeah. uh, back in August. But uh, since they're so strong, a, a higher percentage of the meteors uh, will be bright. And what's really cool is you'll, you'll see some nice colors uh, out of those meteors. Oh, really? Yes, yes. Okay. And those colors are actually produced by the elements present in Geminid meteors. Now, that's not true for fast showers like the Perseids, because the Perseids actually ignite. Uh, I shouldn't say ignite, but they, they, they excite uh, the uh, atmospheric molecules up in the upper atmosphere. And what you're actually seeing then with these very, very fast meteors is uh, ionized oxygen and nitrogen. Hmm. So you're getting green meteors and pink meteors, uh, mostly from the Perseids. Whereas if you see a green gem, chances are it's
0: uh, highly composed of nickel. Well, is Okay. Most comets are, I'm sorry, most meteor showers are related to some comet. But this Definitely. one's not. Well. That's true, but we we don't know for
1: sure that uh, this particular asteroid could have been a comet many eons okay. ago. Yeah. Uh, it it may be a dead comet now, but uh, when it does uh, pass near perihelion, we do see a a, a tail uh, on this particular asteroid. Really? So you know, asteroid slash comet. So okay. All right. But yes, definitely. It, it's, it's, it's in an asteroidal orbit. Okay. So, but you, you know, you know, Jupiter is up out there bouncing these guys. Around. Right. So <laughs> changes the orbits of all of them. <laughs> right. Right. So, uh, definitely it, it was always thought to be a, uh, an asteroid when it was discovered, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, the, the, the equipment scientists are using these days get better and better and they can actually detect, uh, particles of sodium getting blown off, uh, creating a, a tail that's very reminiscent of a comet. So okay. I'm not sure we can call it strictly an asteroid or strictly
0: comet. It's just kind of a, a you know, progression from one to the other. Yeah. I did a podcast earlier with uh, uh, Frank Maleo, who's our Mercury uh, uh, coordinator in the APO And he brought a point that Mercury has a tail, a sodium tail. Mm-hmm. And they've done observations with Mercury to show that there's little tail coming out from it.
1: Isn't that interesting? It is. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Okay. Um, So overall, uh, the first half of December actually is one of the best times of the year to observe meteors. Uh, The moon will be new on December 4th. And uh, it won't get full until the 18th. So during that period when there is some darkness in the evening sky and the morning, uh, there is a good chance to see a lot of meteor activity. It's one of my favorite times of the year because you can go out as early as 10 o'clock to midnight and you have the showers from Taurus, Orion, uh, Gemini, uh, producing all kinds of activity.
0: Yeah.
1: So it's, 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 it's really entertaining, but, uh, if you want to really see the best show, uh, concentrate on the morning of the 14th when the gym at its peak. Um, if I could offer some advice, uh, don't walk out there and stand and look halfway up in the sky mm-hmm. <laughs> because you're, you're going to get cold and your neck's going to get sore. Uh, find yourself a nice lounge comfortable lounge chair. This is my favorite part of observing meteors. <laughs> <laughs> okay Tim, I didn't say bring a beer with you. <laughs> uh, no hot chocolate. hot chocolate. <laughs> okay, there you go. yeah, that's hot chocolate's more suitable to the, to the climate this time of year, isn't it? <laughs> but uh, yeah, get comfortable and uh, you know bring uh, wear heavy clothing and mm-hmm. bring that blanket. And uh, hey, bring a friend too, because yeah. it's kind of boring to be out there alone. You'll hear all these bunnies in the bushes,
0: and think it's <laughs> a coyote or something,
1: you know. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. Now, now we've talked about this before, but where should people go to really see a meteor shower? Well, well, if you
1: really want to see it, go to a mountaintop where you have no trees or anything blocking your view. Mm-hmm. And the air is thinner out there. What that means is the the sky will be much more transparent than it is closer to sea level. And you'll be amazed. You'll have trouble uh picking out the constellations because there's so many stars in the right. sky. And the more stars you see, the more meteors you're gonna see.
0: That's good, so, that's a good point. And also, you don't with meteor showers, you don't need a telescope, you don't need binoculars. Like you mentioned, you just get your, your, your lounge chair out there and kick back with a blanket and some hot chocolate and look up. And that's really it. Yeah. Now,
1: most people just go out for the heck of it and enjoy the show like it's the 4th of July fireworks. But believe it or not, there is some crazy people out there that actually <laughs> categorize every meteor they see. They do science. And
0: do science. All right. <laughs> yeah. well, let, let, let's talk about how we can do science. <clears throat> Anybody that goes out there and, and observes a meteor shower. Okay. You have to do a little work on this. You
1: have to associate each meteor you see. So you need to tell us that whether they're Geminids or okay. whether they're just random activity. Now, that's that's a good starting point. If you could just do those two, that, that would be perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. But some of us... Can pick out the November Orionids or the uh, Leonids, the December Leonids, and there's even Ursids in December.
0: And you can so, tell that by the radiant, where the where the meteor is right. coming from.
1: Believe it or not, I take a black shoestring out, and when I see something, I will hold that shoestring in front of the path that the meteor just passed, and by Following that shoestring back to where the meteor started and even extending it further, I can tell exactly which radiant that, that meteor passed through. That's a really cool way to – I never thought of that. Now you, now you think, why does that dummy got black one instead of white? <laughs> Actually, black the, – the sky is not perfectly black. A black shoestring shows up okay. aw- awesomely <laughs> well okay. against, against the dark sky. So, uh, yeah,
0: okay. uh, that's and just fi- find the radiant of, yeah, because right, like they come of, from, of each they come meteor. from, I believe you said they come from uh, Caster, right? Right, right. Okay.
1: So uh, every Gemini you see will come in, will come from Caster. If you, if you stay uh, focused on one part of the sky, all the Geminis will be parallel. Uh, they won't cross each other like, like a lot of the random activity. Good point. And, but, but they will have different lengths. That all depends on the size. Mm-hmm. Uh, larger Geminis will create a longer streak, and the, uh, the you know the, the, the smaller ones are, are shorter and it probably be fainter streak too. So, but what also helps uh, us is to count how many geminas you see in a particular amount of time. Now, the, the the basic principle of meteor observing is how many meteors you see per hour. Right. So. I'm not sure a lot of folks can stay out for a solid hour, especially if they're watching from Minnesota, (laughs) (laughs) but at least a half hour, you know, that way we can multiply by two what, what you saw. Right. But, you know, try to record how many of these you saw, how many random ones you saw and what also is necessary is your sky conditions. Now, most of us sophisticated people, uh, Use the, uh, the 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 zenith uh, the zenith star. Uh, what's what's the faintest star you can you can see? Mm-hmm. And it that all depends on your location. Whether you have a street light right next to your house or right, it's items right, like right. that. Uh, uh, where you're going, you're gonna be at least have a a limiting magnitude of probably about six point five. Yep which is very, very, uh, dim star. Um, most people are a lot closer to 5.0 and if you're downtown somewhere, you're lucky to see probably third magnitude. Oh
0: yeah. Second or third. So, right.
1: so that's, that's important. That's that, uh, the, uh, the better your conditions, the less of a correction, uh, uh you need to, uh, to, uh, um, Figure out your final, your final figures. So, you know, some person where you're going is going to see a lot more. Mm-hmm. Therefore, someone who is watching from downtown L.A., their their uh, rates are going to have to be corrected, you know, two or three times at least. Right. And, and believe me, it makes a difference. One magnitude can oh. it can can double the The amount of uh, meteor activity you see well, that,
0: that that that's very true. Yeah, so uh, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But that's something people should keep in mind too if they plan on submitting observations to you. You know, figure out what the limited magnitude is where they're at. Right. You know, and that's fairly easy to do. Um, right, a little star chart. And, a, lot of, and, a lot of people use the Little Dipper for doing that. Yes,
1: that's 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 a good one. That that has some very faint stars. Yep. So if, if there's there's one star that you can barely see. Uh, find out that magnitude is probably going to be around five yep. point point zero or five five, and that will tell us your sky conditions, which is very important. And be sure and record your starting and ending times, right? Uh, because we don't want to be uh, uh, counting time when you're you know going to the restroom or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we want to know exactly uh, the uh, how much time you spent watching the sky. And be sure to mention any clouds or, or even even some hills or something in a way, like if, if 10% of your field of view is blocked, uh, that, that's important. Uh, you know, all of this is going to be in the upcoming Geminid uh, article I'm going to post on the ALPO website this weekend. Okay. So, so folks can check that out, and there'll be links in there to get more, uh, more information that I probably forgot to mention, but... Uh, Be sure and check that out. There'll be charts in there showing where the Geminid
0: Radiant will be throughout the night. Okay, and I will link all that in the show notes below so everybody can just click on that from this podcast and see all that information. Uh,
1: One more thing. There are a lot of folks who can't get up at at 3 in the morning. So uh, my advice for people who have to observe in moonlight is to face away from it. The, the moon will be in the uh, southeastern to southern sky, depending on the time of night you're at. So if you're limited to only watching the Geminid meteor shower during the evening hours, uh, face toward the north about halfway up. Just just make sure the moon is is behind you and, and uh, you're not messing up your, your night vision there. And believe it or not, uh the moonlight affects slower meteors like the geminids a lot less than it does the perseids hmm. because you know your average perseid meteor is probably what uh 2 to 5 tenths of a second in duration well that that's that's pretty short and chances are if if you're uh if the moon is bright you're going to have a less of a chance seeing it now geminids on the other hand are closer to a half second to a full second which means you have, you know, double the chance of seeing that thing because it's going to be up there twice as, as long. And uh, chances are uh, the moonlight won't affect the Gemini's as much as will the uh, the Perseids. Okay. So all's not lost. Uh, I would expect someone from, uh, you know, let's take suburban skies going out at 8 o'clock and spending an hour. I bet you 10 meteors is, is not beyond the, the the realm of possibility. Okay. And who knows, he might get a fireball at that time. That's true. Uh, Geminids are well-known for fireballs. By the way, fireballs are any meteor that's brighter than the planet Venus, which just happens to be in the evening sky uh, this particular month. That's right. So any meteor brighter than Venus,
0: you can call it a fireball. Okay. So what you're looking for in the way of observations is an hourly count and then uh, distinguishing whether it's a Gemini or it's a straggler from someplace else. Correct. Okay. And your sky conditions.
1: Right. Okay. And uh, don't forget to include your location, too. Right. It, right. it makes a big difference. Uh, those from uh, further south have the Gemini gradient passing overhead. If you're up near the Canadian border, it'll be further th- toward the south. So, it, it, you know. That would help. Like I said, a lot of that information will be in the article I, I okay. uh, po- post on the ALPO website.
0: Okay. I'll, I'll look for that, and I'll add it. Now, are oh, there other okay. meteor shows happening uh, later after after this one that we can talk about?
1: There are the URSAs, but unfortunately, that one is only three days after the full moon, oh, okay. Uh, which is... Uh, Let's see, the 18th, actually four days after the full moon on the night of December 21st and 22nd. Uh, I had a real entertaining session with the Earths last year. There was a moon that set during the early evening hours, so I went out during the morning. And, you know, I didn't see a whole lot, maybe 10 an hour at most, but that's pretty good for that shower. And in that part of the sky... There is normally not much activity. Hmm. Uh, A lot of the radiance are pretty much close to the radiant, uh, radiant, ecliptic, which is in the southern part of the sky. So if you're looking toward the bowl of the Little Dipper, chances are it's either going to be a random meteor or if it's near December
0: 21st, 22nd, it's going to be (laughs) a nervous (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, great. Uh, Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: Uh, not really. Uh, this is a good chance to see, uh, activity. So if your sky is clear, uh, shoot, don't, don't waste it. Cause, uh, you never know the next meteor shower might be, uh, you know, obscured by rain. So yeah, uh, I, well, I, believe I, me. I
0: I challenge our listeners to get out there and observe this meteor shower. showers coming up in a few days and, and please get out there. And if you, do an observation. Please drop it in the email over to Bob. His email right. address is going to be in the show notes as well. Right. Uh, lastly,
1: don't say, well, you know what? I'm going to save my effort for next year when there's no COVID or, you know, stuff like this going on. <laughs> well, next year, the moon will be near its last quarter phase. Uh, worst time to see it. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's going to be up from probably 11 o'clock on. So uh okay. It like I said not as bad as a full moon but next year your, you're the 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 peak hour is, is going to have a moon up in the sky all the way to dawn. Oh, so my goodness. So like one year out of 3 is usually perfect okay. and then the other two we got a little bit of this a little bit of that. So well, this one doesn't sound bad. No, it's it, there's a, it's a very good opportunity. Yes. So we just need to keep our fingers crossed that uh, we okay. have some clear dry air and uh let what it rain that? on Christmas day. No, just leave, <laughs> leave my meteor
0: shower alone. <laughs> How does 2022 look for meteor showers?
1: Uh, not good at all. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Actually, it starts out well with the Quadrants uh, in, in early January. And uh, by golly, we'll do a podcast on that before the new year. How's that sound? Sounds like a plan. But uh, the rest of the year, the, the Perseids... Are perfectly nailed by a full moon. Uh, I mentioned the the Gemini's are going to have half moon, but actually the Orionids and the Leonids are a little better off. So, okay, um, probably a little worse than this year, but you know, not not a total loss.
0: Okay, all right. Plus we have
1: the the very small possibility of a meteor outburst near near uh, Memorial Day. And we'll we'll discuss that later on. Uh, I'm sure uh, in May there's going to be all kinds of headlines. Best show ever coming up. (laughs) Well, well, like Comico Hotel. Yeah, uh, this could be a shot in the dark. (laughs) That's
0: true. That's true. And if
1: and if you fly halfway around the world, you might be wasting your money. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very true.
0: Well, this was fun, Bob. Thanks for coming on the podcast again. My my pleasure. Look forward to doing it again. All right. All right. That'll do it for this special edition of the Observer's Notebook podcast. I'd like to thank Bob Lunsford for coming on again and talking about the Gemini's meteor shower. Hey. Get out there and observe it and send your observations to Bob. i really appreciate it if you do that. You can see your name in print if you do, in the Journal of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. We upload our regular episodes of the Observer's Notebook on the 1st and 15th of every month. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. That way you never miss any episodes. And you can also hear us on Apple Radio, iHeart Radio, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, Amazon Echo, and Spotify. You can help support the podcast by donating to it via Patreon, where you can give up to $35 a month, where you receive one year's membership to the Alpo, and producer credits on the podcast. And with that, I want to thank the producers of this podcast, Steve Seedentop, and Michael Moyer, for the continued generous support. The link for Patreon, as well as the link for the Alpo, is in the show notes. If you'd like to get a hold of me, my email address is cometman at cometman.net, or you can get me on Twitter at at ObserversNBPod. Until next time, my hope is you always have clear and steady skies. Thanks for listening. (laughs)